Welcome to the Level Up Podcast. In this episode, we'll be talking with Linus Leas, one of my closest friends and a great comedian who is also a world traveler and knows what it's like to be a comedian in both America and in different countries. That is a story in itself, and you're going to hear it all today on the Level Up Podcast. Welcome to the Level Up Podcast. My name is Lachlan, and I am here today with Linus Leas. Hopefully my pronunciation was not a complete, absolute failure today. If it wasn't, congratulations on me. If it was, well, Linus, please do introduce yourself better than I can do and lead the way. My name is Linus Leas. A lot of people are surprised when I tell them Linus isn't my real name. It's just a stage name. Um, And they ask me why. Why did you choose Linus all the time? And... The first reason I chose Linus was because I thought I just thought it sounded well, you know, Linus Leas. Uh, the second reason is because I didn't know that Linus was such an uncommon name that when I, I would say it, people would have difficulty hearing it. And the third reason is because uh, I didn't know I could only pronounce peanuts 70% of the time. So when I say, hey, my name's Linus Leas, you know, from Charlie Brown's Peanuts, what they end up hearing is, hey, my name's Anus Penis, you know, like from Charlie Brown's Penis. So... That's that's my life, and that's that's why I'm still single. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> that, that was, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Well, um, yeah, no, that's a great way to lead it off. Um, thank you uh, for coming on to the podcast today. Uh, I do have to ask. I ask everybody that comes on to the podcast: Have you ever done a podcast before? Um, and how is your podcast experience thus far? If you haven't, and how have the podcast experience in the past been? If you have. So I've done uh, about two and a half episodes, we'll say, of a podcast. Um, The first time I ever was like, quote unquote, did a podcast, it was for my friend in China. And she had a language, uh, a language podcast. It was language nerds rule the earth or uh, something of the sort. And she essentially just wanted me to do one of my bits as a as a comedian to like kind of staple like staple onto the back end of her uh uh podcast um and that that's back when i had just first started comedy so uh it was a little weird because all she had as recording equipment was her iphone so she was just like hey you remember that closer you did can you like go through the entire thing on this phone and i'm like uh okay sure and it just came out as like super awkward because i was like in her living room at the time um, and the second time it was with uh, the Three Mandy's podcast with Ryan Bennell and you know Mandy, uh, Mandy K, and uh, that was really cool because uh, I'm you know I'm super tight with those guys, so it was just like it was basically just hanging out essentially. Yeah, and I, honestly, uh, believe it or not, I think that's the nicest thing about doing a podcast. Sometimes, sometimes it is just hanging out. Yeah. You know, I think everyone has that stigma of oh, it's super hard to start a podcast. And yeah, sure, it might be a little difficult if you don't know mm. the ins and outs of how to buy a mic wait that's so super easy just amazon yeah and then how to use the mic oh wait you plug it in yeah i'm <laughs> <laughs> just kidding um yeah but i'm yeah it's super fun to be doing this podcast but being in season three now it's a lot of fun to be uh talking with you and exploring what uh it's like to be a creative com- comedian if you will so yeah let's uh let's get a little more into my question sets since i'm doing a lot better about my questions this season instead of last yeah, i did sure. very poorly with my questions <laughs> um i was just kind of like just kind of going with the flow it's yeah. not a bad thing just you know i actually have questions though this time yeah. and that's like, what a, color what's, do you like what's, what's your you, favorite what's your, color what's your favorite animal well believe it or not i have a whole bunch of other actual um 
like pictures of questions, just like great podcast questions, which I think is hilarious. Mm-hmm. But we are not going to go over all of those today. <laughs> oh. So let's uh, start uh, with this one and we'll be able to go from there. Um, uh, what inspired you to become a comedian and what was your first go slash attempt at becoming a stand-up act? Um, yeah, so I guess for in terms of like my origin story, because I think a lot of comedians have... And an origin story. And like Please why. do tell me it involves a meteorite and radiation of some kind. Uh, it involves a radioactive meteorite that bit me in the ass. No. <laughs> just, so you're Spider-Man? I am uh, Meteorite Man. <laughs> meteorite actually. Man. Yeah. Okay. I just give everyone else radiation. <laughs> that sounds horrible. Yeah. yeah. That, <laughs> you guys can't see it right now, but Lachlan's actually in a lead uh, suit right now. So it's just blocking everything. All dun, the radiation. Dun, dun. <laughs> now, um, yeah. So in terms of, um, how I got into comedy, uh, I guess growing up, I, people had always told me I was funny and for myself being this like awkward Asian kid in a predominantly white slash Hispanic school, um, I had to, you know, kind of make myself seen in a way. So uh, I used comedy, you know, because I wasn't like considered the most handsome or smartest person in the room. So I used uh, comedy as a way of like having people notice me. And then um, when I got into college, you know, I, me and my friends, we'd spend all of our Fridays just watching improv comedy and then going to the hookah bar and then eating pizza on our Friday nights because we weren't cool enough to like go. Those to were the good old days. Yeah. I remember those days. Yeah, right. Three bucks for a comedy show and, you know. Uh, as a college student, that was that was the good old times. And I almost went into stand up com- or sorry, improv comedy, but I just didn't for whatever. I think I just chickened out. Um, and uh, another reason. Well, OK, so I guess continuing on that thread, uh, comedy had kind of been put on the back burner as I uh, graduated high uh, college. You know, I w- didn't really think about doing comedy or improv or anything at that point. And then I went to China for the first time in 2014 and stayed there for about four years. And while I was there, I saw a poster for, you know, in uh, stand-up comedy classes uh, in Hong Kong. So I took the three to four hour trip to go there because this was in a different city at the time and took the class um, and the guy put up, put us up on stage and then for our homework, quote unquote, he told us to come back the next week and do the open mic. Um, so originally I was just going to go there and show up and just kind of observe everyone else. But he was like, nope, you're in the class, so you have to go up. So I was like, uh, 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 okay. And that was, I did like two minutes and that was kind of like my first foray into comedy. And in Hong Kong specifically, in Hong Kong specifically. So then, were you doing the stand up all, all in English? All in, okay. Yeah, yeah. I had to, I had to ask. I, I was going to say, how much different is comedy when you're over there doing the all the complex Chinese language uh, barriers? I, I feel like there are going to be a lot different inflections and everything in that regard. There are different types of jokes for sure. Um, I think with like uh comedy in asia you do see a theme of like you know the the jokes everyone tends to use are like uh lost in translation type jokes you know yeah. I, I mean i i have a couple of them honestly um and you know everyone really loves that over there and uh for as in terms of the audience it usually turns out to be either expats expats and their girlfriends or uh 
locals who want to improve their English. Gotcha. And so that's that's kind of why those language lost in translation jokes work so well. Yeah, I thought it was very entertaining. We went to Thailand uh, early in 2020 and loved it. Uh, but we went on a boat cruise to go see uh, James Bond Island. Uh, it was really cool. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, the rock was big and awesome and badass and all that stuff. But on the boat ride back, because it was like it was, it was like a half hour hour long boat boat ride there and then back. Um, but what they decided to do for entertainment for us was not stand up comedy, unfortunately, but they decided to stand up and become ladyboys very, very effectively oh, and hit on all the men and make all the old white men that were on the boat with us very uncomfortable. It was hilarious. Oh, my God. <laughs> I very much enjoyed it. <laughs> Sarah was dying the whole time. I mean, she they even came up and like danced on her for a minute. Yeah. And it was like... <laughs> How great would it be if that wasn't even part of the trip? That was just like a bunch of people. Other people just came on to the boat and they're like, this should be fun. Well, I, I think they were doing it to get more tips. So that oh, would make yeah. more sense, yeah. um, if anything. Um, yeah. So uh, speaking of Asia, um, you know, uh, you had talked to me, I think, when we had met um, officially uh, earlier this uh, this year. And you had said you are Cambodian. Uh, can you uh, elaborate on that? Yeah. So I am Cambodian American, um, meaning that both my parents are Cambodian, but I was actually born in Boulder County. Uh, so, uh, and not only that, like my family, for whatever reason, they were kind of removed from the Cambodian community. No, that's not true at all. I, I was kind of like more off by myself, not, not participating in like Cambodian temple, like Buddhist temple stuff, which is kind of like the equivalent of like a Sunday school essentially. Um, so my identity has for the most part been around being Asian American more than Cambodian American. Cause if I were to like look for other Cambodian Cam, uh, Cambodian friends, uh, they would only be like a handful of people. You yeah. know? I mean, that's not to say like I only know a handful of Asian Americans in general anyway, which I mean should say a lot about, you know, being in Colorado and stuff. So yeah, like, yeah. So I mean, that's part of the reason why I wanted to get into comedy originally was to kind of like regale my experience of experiences as how I saw it as the uh, Asian American experience. And I also feel like Asian Americans in general don't get a whole lot of representation. That's like not demeaning or anything like that. So um, that's that's a huge reason of why I want to get into comedy is just like have people hear somebody who's not Kim Jong or Kim Jong Il or, or you know, <laughs> either you have like a dictator or like this absolutely ridiculous character personality. And I just needed something that was in between that. Um, for people to see. And it's interesting too, because when I do some shows in front of crowds, um, usually they tend to be all white crowds, but um, it, like I'll, I'll say jokes talking about like some type of uh, Asian stereotype or something like that. And people just won't get it. You know what I mean? That like they don't understand, which I always think is interesting. Or maybe that the joke isn't funny. I don't know. I don't know. That... Or maybe they think it's offensive. I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I could go one way or the other. Yeah, sure. the, the offensive thing is really interesting because uh, I was talking to one of my friends about this, and he was actually saying that conservative crowds tend to be more uh, willing to laugh at like kind of quote unquote edgy jokes like that. And uh, with liberal more like you know stereotypical liberal crowds they tend to be more like closed off and kind of like cringy at interesting jokes yeah interesting huh 
Yeah. And it, I yeah. don't know. Yeah. I, I can't say I've ever had to hold a stand up audience myself. So I, I couldn't say I know yeah. from experience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very counterintuitive, but yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of what makes stand up comedy. So interesting is that every single audience you're going to get for the most part, as long as they're, you know, you're not an open mic or anything, they're all going to behave and react differently to like the smallest thing, you know? Yeah. So if it's a glass smashing or if it was the comic before or the comic after, it's it's a very live and uh, oh, ephemeral thing. Ephemeral? Is, is it ephemeral? Actually, can you define that? I've, I don't think I've heard that word used in a sentence. Oh, God. Why did you ask me to do that? I'm sorry. <laughs> Are you going to call me out like that? So we'll pop that over the screen. All right. Ding. Ephemeral is like <laughs> the sense that, uh, oh, fuck, Siri. You know, I, I don't know. I just said, it. I feel like that word fits. It's kind of like you're, okay. you're in the moment and everything is like happening all at once. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. I probably just pulled that out of my ass. <laughs> I mean, if that was the case, that made sense to me. So that works out. There's a guy on, on listening to your podcast with addiction. He's like, that son of a bitch. He's, <laughs> has no idea what he's God, I'd love to meet that person though. <laughs> who's actually listening to my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I got a no- decent number of listeners just, you know, still, it'd be nice to see yeah. people listening to it actively. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I'm kind of curious, um, cause I've always like wanted to say like, oh yeah, Lachlan, you'd be great at stand up comedy. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting into it guys. So anyone listening that says Lachlan, you'd be horrible at it. I'm not going to do it. You know, just, I can dream, you know, everyone can dream, but I'm curious, what is it like, uh, in your process for creating and writing, uh, jokes themselves like do you write them as a full set do you write them as a single joke like a you know chicken cross the road type of joke on its own or you know do it do it as a full like conversational piece if you will uh so i think every comic has their own process in terms of writing jokes like i know some people they just go to bars by themselves and they will sit down with a notepad and like put on a trench coat and look all dark and mysterious and just like write things that are funny. Uh, I know other people, they'll pass by uh, premises to their other comic friends or just anyone and they'll trade stories that way. Um, For myself, a lot of the jokes I come up with are, 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 I would would probably say the latter where I'm just kind of like telling some of my friends like a funny story that I heard uh, or that something that happened to me and then, you know, they'll laugh at the end of it because of some certain thing that I said and then I'll say, oh, okay, they laughed at that. So I kind of like jot it down in my notes real quick and uh, kind of, I I almost do a test run And, and some comics will call this bidding like B-I-T-I-N-G. It's when, um, so in comedy, you know, you have your bit, which is like a singular joke, and then you have like the setup and punchline contained with it, right? Um, And then a tag is like something you add to that. Um, So bidding is when you basically just test out a joke in front of people who are not expecting you to test out a joke. And it really annoys some comedians when you, when like they catch you doing it or vice versa. Um, but with like my, my normal friends, right. Uh, some, if I, I have different circle of circles of friends, I'll tell them the same story. And if they behave the same way, then I'll be like, okay, this, this might be good to like actually try out on stage. Other times, um, they just come to you, you know, I have an inner monologue going in my head all the time, which is probably why I'm so mentally exhausted all the time. But, uh, yeah, sometimes I'll just be cleaning the house or doing the dishes and then I'll say something to myself and, 
you know, I'll, if I, if I like physically laugh out loud, I'll also write that down. But for myself, it's, it's a very intuitive process and less of a process process, which is, you know, the whole, the whole, I know a lot of people, they like need to make it a process if you're going to constantly create material all the time. So, uh, yeah, that's just like another level for me to get to, I guess. Hey, Lachlan, are you like me and constantly use your old MySpace photos for your LinkedIn photos? I used to. Used to? I did. Oh, it's just me? Okay. All right. Well, in any case, do you need a portrait for your next work presentation? We got your face covered with our premium portrait packages. Screw LA pricing. This is half that. We make sure to pull the best of your character and tell a story with your face the way it was meant to be told. For more information on how you can book your portrait session today, please visit www.levelcreativestudios.com. We're excited to take your portraits to the next level. Did you know that most people have no idea what they can do to make their house worth more money? Every house has one. A front door? Maybe. Awesome landscapes? Sure. It's neither of those, though. Your roof is the thing everyone will see when they visit your house. A new roof can increase your property value significantly more than just upgrading the door, planting more flowers, or decorating more for the holidays. Reach out to the Pride Roofing and Construction by calling 720-552-3321 or visit their website www.pride-roofing.com to claim your free home health assessment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm also curious, too, how how did the... um Oh, the pandemic actually kind of impact your at home, not able to go out and socialize and give that bit to people, you know, like you normally would. Sure, you could do it over a Zoom call as much as you want, but is it going to be the same impact? Probably not. You know, it's interesting. Um, so over over the pandemic, I actually did an online school for uh, software development. And so we were in our uh, cohorts is what they call it, you know, your, your own classes. And so interestingly, I was still able to like, try out stuff, um, to this class, uh, you know, say funny things here and there. Um, and it, it is weird cause you don't, people are muted all the time. So you have to like, look at their reaction and, uh, yeah, it, it gets kind of weird sometimes for sure. And it, it does change the nature. Um, I think more specifically I've done a zoom show, which most people agree like are not great to do um for that exact reason you can't really hear anybody um and if you can hear people it's like usually just like one or two people and they're just trying their best to make you feel good yeah and well half the room is like uh have their cameras off so so it can almost be like you know talking to a wall to a large extent uh, that's not to say, I mean, I feel like some of the best sets I've had have been in my shower by myself. <laughs> so, you know, shower comedy, sh- shower comedy. It's honestly, I mean, honestly, that would be the funniest show to put you in a shower and then <laughs> just see what happens. You know what? Honestly, I'm pretty sure I'm way funnier in the shower than I am on stage. That's valid. I mean, I'm totally down to do it. I mean, yeah. Oh uh, yeah! Just let me know. Yeah, like we'll get you, we'll get in there. All right. We'll, we'll make sure we're, <laughs> we're we're waist up above the waist, so we don't we don't see any of the yeah, the yeah. goodies down below. You, you can pixelate <laughs> it and then over pixelate by like oh yeah, that's uh, perfect. Like fourteen feet? Uh, no, uh, not feet, inches. Okay, that works out. I think you manage. Yeah, <laughs> I think feet. I think you uh, got a few other problems we need to or be concerned superpowers. with superpowers or that we yeah. did discuss. You do have superpowers. Yeah. Wait. So we did? yeah, we did. I mean, of course we did. Oh, yes. I mean, we don't... You have superpowers. <laughs> no one has superpowers. It's a phony 
fake thing. <laughs> Craziness. <laughs> um, so, yeah, actually, in regard to, like, your longer versus shorter kind of jokes, um, kind of what's, what's like, a like a full set to you kind of look like? I'm kind of curious, you know, is it, like, a traditional five-minute set for, like, a um, – kind of like the stand-ups that we've uh, done with, t- with uh, together. And um, those are like five-minute sets. But, you know, what, what's been like a long set for you um, instead of the five? So in terms of like my mixing up of like long jokes and short jokes or... or I think like, like a combo, yeah, because you can yeah. put those short jokes into that, yeah. uh, you know, longer set and short set. Yeah, I definitely do uh, a mix of them. Um, I like to start out with a, a quick short joke that I know always works like starting out a lot of, a lot of comics have that as like their litmus test joke just to kind of get a pulse check on the, uh, on the audience. Right. Um, cause usually, uh, if you say a joke, like 90% of audiences have laughed at in the past and this one hasn't like, you know, as a comic that you have an uphill battle to climb. Right. Um, so I like to start out with like a really strong short joke, you know, sets the tone. And then from there on out, um, whether it's a short a short set or a long set, um, I try to insert a new joke somewhere in between that, but never at the end. Um, I know a lot of comics have a different philosophy on that. Um, but uh, in my opinion, you need to end strong. So then you usually have like a closing, like a strong closing set. Um, and yeah, and it changes all the time. Like if I have a, if I'm only given a short set, uh, Usually you want a strong opener and then you want, obviously you want to try new stuff. So, uh, and is, is, it's all about the cost benefit, you know, like the risk you take, you know, planning things out. Um, it's almost like a battle plan. Every time I go up on stage, you have to really schedule or not schedule, but like plan out how the, uh, the audience is feeling and you know, what they, what they've been receptive to, uh, versus, you know, what your joke is. So. That makes sense. Um, so I'm kind of curious uh, how. So I, I know 2021 is a little different than how it might have been in the past. But how how does a comedian kind of market themselves to, uh, I guess, get out there to the public? Yeah. So I know a ton of comedians that are doing great, like uh, being very proactive. Uh, a lot of it is networking. Um, you have to meet and talk with showrunners, and then also perform well in front of showrunners at open mics to kind of like prove your uh, like yeah prove your worth um, um can, we, can we describe a, what a showrunner is to, for our oh, it's audience ju- it's just like a producer okay. um you know it's the person who created the show books the show gotcha. um sometimes they host the show as well um but basically like you want to get in front of them so they can put you on a showcase show because you have, you have open mics, which are just like, you know, the gym for open or for comics. And then you have showcases, which is a comic essentially doing the best material they can with the time they're allotted, which is usually much longer than a open mic set. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's, so getting on the showcases are really important because then you can be like, Oh, my, uh, Instagram handles blah, 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 and you know, stuff like that. But I know a lot of comedians have taken it a step further, uh, by, you know, coming out with business cards, um, their own personal website that kind of shows when upcoming shows are obviously that's a little weird right now, now that there are only so many shows happening in a given month, but, uh, Oh, yeah. And I know one comic who's selling like nightlights and stuff with like hmm. 
popular tags and shit that interesting yeah yeah <laughs> t-shirts as well are also a popular thing as well um right now for myself i'm just doing it just to get better right so yeah uh that's not on in the cards right now but i mean merch is always a thing and you, you know when you're a comic you don't make any money honestly <laughs> you make more in drink tickets than you actually do in money so. that's valid yeah, yeah um so if you're gonna have a shirt uh what would that shirt say i'm kind of curious i don't know honestly because i've been thinking about that as well i don't because my I don't like shirts that just have the comedian's name on it because then yeah. it's like, oh, my name is fucking this name, you yeah. know? Uh, I, but I mean, like, how else? Are, that, that that makes the most sense to market yourself. Yeah, as I a think person. what I think what I was gonna do is if I was gonna do a T-shirt for me, it was gonna be like, you know, this, probably start up here and be like, I'm a designer, cross that out. Uh, I'm a photographer, cross that out, mm. and then I'm a videographer, cross that one out, and at the bottom, just have it say, I'm Batman. <laughs> And then I'll be like, crap, that one's not crossed out. We good. Yeah, that, that's, that's a good twist. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. that thing's pretty good. You yeah. know? I got a Batman shirt on right now, so you know, I thought it might yeah. be a good setting for the sake of my uh, excellent, very <laughs> proud T-shirt design idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so would you buy one? I mean, I think that would be a pretty okay thing. Yeah. I mean, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you know, you know I don't uh, have it, but <laughs> <laughs> just thought of it literally right now. So no, that's I, I would buy that. Yeah, cool. You know, I saw this interesting article. It was basically saying that, uh, you know, great artists like Picasso and uh, I don't know. Think of another great. artist. Oh, my God. Did Picasso create Batman? And I didn't he even did. know this. He did. He did. <laughs> He, he created the internet and threads <laughs> and everything. No, uh, yeah, no, Batman. No, sorry. <laughs> Picasso, uh, artists like Picasso, they, they got famous through their network and not through the originality of their work, which I thought was really interesting. Interesting. Can yeah. you uh, go into that a little bit more? Kinda, I'm kind of curious. Absolutely not, but I can find the article for you. Darn. Yeah, send that to me for sure. That'd yeah, be great. They, yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. So let's see. I got my... We can take a quick cut look real fast here. Um, Stay tuned for these messages. I do have to record those later today, too. <laughs> um, so I think we'll lead into, I want to lead into getting, um, so we'll, let's do this one. So we'll do the funniest crowd reaction from your perspective. Mm. Like what reaction of crowds you've gotten before. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let me, let me lead into that one. Um, so I'm kind of curious kind of what your uh, best reaction from an audience has been. I know some people can get some super negative audience reactions. I've seen it before. Yeah. You know, some people yell into the mic a few too much and uh, things like that. But, uh, yeah, I'm curious what your uh, funniest reaction from the audience has been uh, from your perspective. Because, you know, if somebody's laughing and you're at a bar and, you know, maybe they had, I don't know. I'm just thinking of like yeah. milk spewing out of a guy's oh, nose type of thing oh yeah i uh i'm personally a fan of like the rolling mode like kind of like the ugh, kind of like oh right it's funny but ugh, kind of la like rolling okay. laugh because uh uh <laughs> yeah this was actually the first one of the first jokes i ever wrote when i started out as a comedian and uh if you ask mandy she fucking hates this joke and <laughs> I, I actually haven't done this joke in a long long time to be honest uh, but can we get a taste? Yeah. So it's that scan joke, um, which you, I think you're familiar with, but basically, um, in China, oh man, I'm just going to have to say this joke off, 
off the top of my head. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, I'll, I'll just give you the gist of it. But essentially, okay. uh, in China, they have this app called WeChat Pay, right? Mm-hmm. And people use it to pay for everything. So much that they don't even have cash anymore. They just use their phones to scan QR codes. Wow. And so, uh, you know, it's, yeah, like I mentioned, it, it's gotten to the point where no one carries cash anymore. And so... Uh, when you go up to a vendor, it's not clear who scans who in a situation. So you have to ask, like, do I scan you or do you scan me? Uh, the Chinese word for scan I learned is sao. Uh, and this is one of those language jokes I was, uh, mentioning earlier. Uh, so the Chinese word for scan is sao, uh, which means to sweep, right? Uh, which is great and easy to learn until you realize you've been living in China for four years and you find out that if you say tao, that literally means fuck in Chinese. So very subtle difference. Very, very, if, you, if you're like, I can't hear the difference, you're like, there's, trust me, there's a difference and they know about it. <laughs> and so, you know, it'll, it'll come about sometimes where you're, you're drunk as fuck. It's late at night. You know, you just came back from the bars, you get a cab, t- takes you back to your place and you know, you, you finally get there and in Chinese he says, oh, that'll be $30. And so with me thinking my Chinese is great, I'll say, uh, oh, well, Tony, how should you tell uh, Apparently that translates to, uh, uh, can I fuck you or can you fuck me? <laughs> and, and which is like, uh, uh-huh, so funny, you know, but, uh, and then you realize like, oh, wait, uh, I don't have any money in my account cause I haven't been paid yet. Oh. So, um, and it's especially awkward. So then this is the second part of the joke. So wait, wait, just to clarify, you fucked him, right? So I did. Fuck <laughs> it still hurts when I pee. Uh, so uh, sit down. We still talk. We're friends. Uh, <laughs> so the second part of the joke, which I uh, usually, which I haven't said in a, in a very long time, um, was, uh, yeah, it's even worse when I'm with a Chinese girl. And I'm sleeping with her and I'm trying to, you know, be talk dirty to her, essentially. I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Nisi Wan. Uh, I forgot my fucking Chinese. Well, well basically, I say uh, Nisi Wan Cao uh, Ni, which essentially translates to, oh, yeah, I love fucking your or sweeping your pussy. Yeah. <laughs> love it. And then the rolling part is is the. Uh, uh, I said. This is so bad. Uh, just kidding, guys. Uh, I don't sleep with Chinese girls. I'm not white enough for them. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, and that's the, you know what? I, I started that joke in China, and the reaction was hilarious every single time because all the all the Chinese girls would just look at their, just look pissed off, and their white boyfriends would be like, that's hilarious. <laughs> I love that. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... That's fantastic. I think that's the that's a great joke. I think you should leave with more often. <laughs> I guess it depends on the audience. I mean, get, get a feeler for it. And, and to be fair, I feel like the audiences in America do tend to be more uh, sensitive mm-hmm. to like jokes of that nature. Yeah. What would you say? What would you? How would you describe the difference? I'd say uh, between like you know American comedy, like stand up comedy in America, mm-hmm. uh, versus stand up comedy really, I guess, anywhere else. Yeah. Because I, I feel like it's gonna be drastically different between you know somewhere that's in South America, somewhere that's in Asia, even Europe. I'd say would be different. Yeah. Uh, so my experiences have. Yeah, mostly been in Asia in terms of comedy. But uh, like I was mentioning before, a lot of uh, the jokes in Asia revolve around language. 
and uh, crazy travel stories, which every expat in Asia has. At this, we point. have to end with that, by the way. Yeah. Oh, we do officially. Oh no. Yeah. Crazy travel story. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's not bad. <laughs> to be continued. Oh, I thought you were saying the podcast is. No, no, yeah, just crazy, crazy, crazy travel story. Oh, I got, yeah. I got plenty for you. We'll, we'll, we'll end with that. But keep going. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So uh, every expat has like a crazy travel story or a lost in translation joke, right? Um, I think with American comedy, it tends to be more. And this is purely just my observations, it, it, but it is like a lot more wide ranging mm-hmm. um, and, you know, talks about several different issues like what's the p- deal with airplane food and shit and to like <laughs> social issues and shit like that. So it's, it's more varied. And then also with like I know with Asian well, comedy, comedy in Asia done by locals uh, tend to be in a more like uh uh, variety show kind of format like it, it's because comedy stand-up comedy itself is a very like western form uh if so so when like chinese people see stand-up comics they're just like why isn't he singing and dancing right now and making funny faces so so it's a lot more animated and maybe a bit more slapsticky i guess compared to like western comedy interesting but, yeah i think it was really funny uh i had gone to, when i had gone to cambodia for the first time uh i was uh it was really hilarious the first time i went i uh, was right when donald trump got elected oh. so I, I was in japan when we found out the news officially oh man of like oh he's now president you're like oh shit yeah. <laughs> um it was so funny though they were already on japanese television like just complete raking him through the mud Oh, yeah. Like, they were just talking shit, and it was hilarious because yeah. they were just um, – really, they had no no bars. They were, yeah. There was nothing blocking them from doing it they, because it's what they do normally, it would yeah. seem. So it was hilarious. I loved it. Yeah, that's that's awesome. <laughs> but, I, yeah. Yeah. I remember walking into my classroom because I was in China at the time teaching English, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I was streaming everything on my laptop. And, you know, when it started looking like Trump was about to win – I had to go to class and I just walked in and all the students were just staring at me and I was like, whoops a daisy anyway. <laughs> That's valid. Um, so yeah, what's your crazy travel story? Gotta make sure we don't forget about that. Oh man, there's a couple. Um, I guess my last month of China before they were going to kick me out, um, I went traveling around China with a friend and uh, I needed to get my visa extended. So what you got to do is you got to go to the public security bureau in the town that you, the city that you live in, give them your passport. And what they do is they give you like this A4 piece of paper that basically says this is a temporary passport. Please don't lose it ever. And because if you do, you can't travel anywhere. Yeah. Because even if you want to go from province to province, you still need your passport as a as a uh, foreigner. Okay. And so. Uh, I was with my friend at the time. We went to this place, Guilin, and then Yangshuo. And then we were we had plans to go back to Guilin and then travel somewhere else. On the bus ride back to Guilin, I realized that I couldn't find my uh, my pa- my temporary passport. Yeah, this A4 temporary passport, which was probably in the trash by now. Um, and so... We get there. We miss our train, obviously, because I'm an idiot. And so uh, now we have to I have to like call my teacher contact, tell her the situation. And she's like, "Okay, you're going to need to 
uh, find a hostel to sleep at in the city until I can retrieve it from the PSB and mail your actual passport back to you. Ugh. So I was like, okay, that shouldn't be too hard. Except it was because they need your passport to stay in a hostel. <laughs> so uh, me and my friend, oh man, this this is such a crazy story. We we got out of the train or bus station, went to a restaurant to get the Wi-Fi. They did not have Wi-Fi, so we had to. Uh, my friend tried to find a place to go to a hostel. So we went to a hostel and they were like, we can't let you in. And then my, uh, you know what, this is so, I haven't told this story in a long time, but basically, <laughs> uh, yeah. So basically I had to go to the train station and talk to the police that I was a foreigner and that I needed a passport. Uh, for a while, no one thought I was a foreigner cause I look like this, I look Asian. Yeah. Uh, so they were kind of toss, tossing me aside until eventually I had to be like, look, I'm an American in English. I'm an American. I need help. Help me now. And then they were like, we're, we're, we don't do that stuff. And, and so I had to call my contact again and she was like, oh, you talked to the wrong police officer. You need to talk to the international police officer. And I was like, what does he look like? She was like, he looks like a regular police officer, but with like a slightly different badge. And I was like, uh, okay. That's, that's horrible. <laughs> so, uh, we had to go find the police station in the train station yeah. and uh i had to like walk through the like the car gate or something like that i don't know it was, it was weird and then they were like okay it, we can get we can probably get you a temporary temporary passport if you go to this office building yeah problem is it's friday and they close in like 15 minutes oh. so i had to argue with some bikers uh some motorbike taxi cabs right mm -hmm. and, and like to essentially get us there like right now uh and at that point it had started raining yeah so uh <laughs> this is a long story this is why i haven't told this story no it's fine time. i'm sorry i enjoy travel stories so yeah, yeah. uh anyone we can probably give you some timestamps later yeah to let you know when to swap but i enjoy travel stories and most people do too so yeah keep going yeah so uh we finally convinced these guys to take me and my friend to the the government office right they're going down the highway at like 80 miles per hour i'm holding on for dear life at the back of this uh scooter essentially and uh after it just rained turns out that the place they dropped us off from was like five minute walk away from the first hostel we tried to go to okay so we easily could have just like walked over there and we get there and they had just closed the doors. Uh, so then, yeah, so then we were like, all right, so now we really have to find a hostel yeah. uh, and basically wait it out. And my friend didn't have any issue because he had his passport, right? So uh, I started messaging my friends. I was like, hey, do you guys know of any place that accepts foreigners without passports or at least like accepts at least one passport for a group of people? And one of the girls in the group was like, oh, yeah, I remember uh, there was this hostel in the downtown area next to a case, a KFC. Um, it might still be there. I was like, OK, how long ago was that? She was like uh, five years ago. Oh, my God. Which, if you know anything about China, a lot changes in just a year. Yeah. So so she literally just took out her map, uh, put a pin and was like, it's in this area, probably, I think. So. I literally got a cab 
And I was like, just go to this area. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we get there. No KFC. Instead, there's a giant super mall there. Um, so I thought I, KFC was going to be like ginormous now, but oh, oh, super no. mall makes more sense. Yeah, oh. yeah. So <laughs> me and my friend, we literally were like, okay, so where do we go now? And so we just went from like hostel to hostel that night. And by this time, it was like 9 p.m., yeah. 10 p.m. Um Eventually, uh, the next hostel we came to was actually on top of a parking garage, and it looked abandoned. <laughs> but we walked in, and it, it was just like somebody's house. Yeah. And we were like, "Hey, sometimes those are the, those are the best hostels." They let us in. Yeah. They let us in. Right. And then, um, yeah. So we just spent a couple nights there, and then um, while I, my friend eventually left, but while we were there, uh, we found this bar that was actually frequented by the local tattoo artists in the area. Gotcha. And so we got to hang out with them and have dinner. So great. Um, yeah, that's, there's more to that story, but <laughs> no, I totally get it. Yeah. That's a, that's a crazy travel story. Jeez. Um, I think my crazy travel story is going to be a little shorter. I, yes, I'm please. Sorry. <laughs> that was not a good story. You can, no, you're all you good. Can, you can cut that out. No, I think, we'll, I think we'll leave it. It's, it's a okay with me. Um, but yes, my international travel story uh, is so exciting, um, most because we decided to fly into Phnom Penh in Cambodia specifically mm -hmm. and decided not to get another flight to Siem Reap where we were, we were staying. Mm. And we had to take one of those buses and those crazy uh, stack people on top of each other oh, yeah, those types buses of buses slept, where yeah. you slept on the bus while you're riding on over to the next place. It was horrible. Yeah. Um, so that was the worst part of that. But we get off the bus finally after that horrific trip. And the first thing that happens, uh, we're probably walking down the streets of Siem Reap. Um, it's like 3 a.m. So we got like nothing to do. Mm -hmm. um, but we're walking down the streets and this guy walks up to us. and He's like, hey, hey, like um, I can take your bags to the hotel that you guys are staying at. And, you know, I can get you guys some weed. We're like, <laughs> what? Oh, okay, we understand the bag thing, but like the weed thing. Classic scene. The funniest <laughs> thing is I had my Colorado hat on me mm -hmm. and in my stuff, but it was in my stuff. It wasn't out and about. I wasn't marketing, hey, I'm from Colorado. <laughs> um, but he just, that was the first thing he's like decided to offer. And it was just yep. hilarious is the fact that the first thing my fiance gets to hear when she gets to Cambodia, hey, do you want to buy some weed? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know about Happy Pizza, right? It's uh. Yep, I've heard of it. Yep, yep. yep. It's, yep. it's uh, pizza with marijuana on it. I have not gone there, but I've heard good things about it. Yeah, it's a happy time. <laughs> Indeed. I'll have to try it next time I go. Yeah. Um, but uh, that'll be a sometime from now. <laughs> there was one time uh, me and my friends stumbled on uh, on Christmas Eve, nonetheless. Uh, we stumbled on a dog meat market. That was that was a surreal experience. In Cambodia or China? Uh, this, this was in China. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Oh, how was it like dark and depressing or what? It was it was pretty wild, honestly. It was middle of the night, um, and we were behind the biggest mall in Changsha at the, in in the city at the time, and we were trying to find this bar, and then all of a sudden, like, you know that scene in Spirited Away where all the lights kind of like start up, and yes. like, people start moving everywhere. Favorite, one of my favorite movies of all time, by the way. It was exactly like that but with like blow torches oh, and oh my God. Like, more, drastically more meat hooks, puppy uh, heads on sticks, you know, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. Oh God. It wasn't, it wasn't that bad, but, um, yeah, it was, it was like, okay. Oh, is that, 
Is that? That's pretty scary. I would not want to see that. I mean, I get it. I it Culture, was, but... It was like a... Geez. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I ask a lot of my students, because, um, you know, the stereotype is that, like, Chinese people uh, eat dogs, and that, you know, there's the dog meat festival that's going on, but it's kind of like a dying fad now. I'll ask okay. my students, I'm like, uh, how many of you guys... Uh, have eaten dog before or would you eat dog yeah um and a lot of them I'd, I'd probably say like of the 60 students i had maybe like three or four of them would say they have or they they liked it or, or anything everyone else was oh like, that's, that's not a, that's not nearly as bad as no no thought. it's it's one of those stereotypes that kind of like persists but it the it's i think they they're slowly moving away from that all right that's good yeah um so to get back away from yeah. back into comedy from away right, right. <laughs> from our tr- crazy travel stories, um, I would love to actually just hear your thoughts on uh, some of the industry norms of what the com- com- uh, wow the comic industry, comedian industry, the comedy industry. You want to round uh, two? <laughs> yes. However, that kind of looks and sounds. Um, kind of what are some like uh, fads and some common myths of the industry that you know a lot of people might think at. Um, or think about comedians uh, that may be uh, something that bothers you, or I'm kind of curious. Because um, I, I think there's a few I could bring up, but let, let's see what you got first. Well, I guess, like, I I normally don't feel... Normally, I don't tell people off the bat I'm a comedian, yeah. essentially, because there's so many, like, uh, expectations involved with that. Especially, like, the most annoying thing you can do is ask, a, like, oh, you're a comedian? No, tell me a joke, you know, kind of like that deal. Like, it's hard to switch that on, and a lot of people think that comedians are funny, like, 24 hours a day, which mm-hmm. is not true. It's <laughs> being funny is exhausting. You're it's, normal people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're normal people, you know, we we have we have emotions too kind of um different type of emotions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, so I think for a lot of people they just expect people who are comedians to always have like a funny take on things. Yeah, yeah. Um and it's it's hard to be taken seriously in like a professional setting, I guess in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um that's the one thing that pops into my head at least. I can't think of anything else. What would you have in mind? Well, I think um you know certain comedians are very on the side of like I want to be like dirty and these are dirty jokes I can tell to like, you know, the average Netflix watcher mm-hmm. type of thing. Uh, cuz you know, that's most stand up you got anymore any of these days just Netflix specials. Mm. Um but you know, they can also be, you know, com- comedians that are able to make hilarious jokes, but they're not even close to dirty at all. They're just like, they oh. pretty much are those airline type of uh, comic. Oh, clean comics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. if you will. Um, I think, you know, those comics have their own place, but, you know, I think it's it'd be a lot harder to do if you ask me. <laughs> yeah, clean comedy is a lot harder to do, okay. you know, because uh, talking about your dick all the time, that's just funny all the time. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why. <laughs> but, yeah, clean comedy does involve, like, a lot more uh, – your observational skills have to be on point, essentially, to make something very mundane, super funny. Because a lot of comedy is kind of like – uh, combining two unexpected things that you would never really think about and saying something funny about that, right? Um, yeah. The other so, one so, is- so I guess it could be in the, like I'm going to try and attempt a joke here. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> so mm-hmm. somebody looking looking at you from behind, you know, with your Starbucks coffee, right? Mm-hmm. And they're being like, "God, I'd hit that." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. Got, you know, you, 
for everyone that is listening and not watching, he has long hair. So, yeah. you know, we could look at him from behind and be like, ooh, all right. Yeah. Who's that? Who's the new girl? <laughs> I was actually thinking of a, of a joke uh, about that. Like, you know, with this long hair, you know, as, a, as an Asian guy, I haven't really gotten a lot of action. I don't think a lot of people find me attractive in Colorado. But, you know, I, I'm finding a big difference with this long hair. I've been getting hit on a lot more. I mean, it's usually by middle-aged white guys. But <laughs> See, it was better delivery than I could have done, but yeah. <laughs> you got where it was kind of coming from oh, with my yeah. joke. No, no, no. That was, that's what made me think of it. Great. So. Well, that worked out. See, you see, you landed it. I, I did not. So congratulations. I, oh, that's another thing. We don't always land our jokes. This is true. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it does depend on the audience. Like I've yeah. you know, sat in comedy shows and I thought like some jokes were just hilarious and no one else is laughing. I'm like, yeah. God, that was hilarious though, guys. Come on. Every, <laughs> what you doing? Every crowd is different. I've had people sure. come up to me and just say like, hey, that those jokes were good and the audience sucked. So don't feel too bad about it. I'm That's like, good. I'm glad there are people that are actually doing that, like coming out and like saying to the, you know, the, the people that are putting themselves on the line basically yeah. and getting up there and standing in front of everyone and, you know, just saying what they think is funny. It's nerve wracking. And, you know, if it, it, I, for me, it's all about like, you got to get better at bombing. Yeah, actually, that, totally. that's, that's the thing is, too, is that everyone thinks that everything you say is going to be hilarious. But sometimes, you know, the truth of the matter is like sometimes the joke doesn't work. Yeah, so absolutely. Just got to move on with it, which I'm still trying to work through. I want to get better at bombing. I remember when I first started actually in Hong Kong, um, I've been going. This was probably like my fourth or fifth time going up on stage. Right. And so I go up. It's a it's a crowd of like it's a crowd, quote unquote, of like uh, four people. Right. Woo. Yeah. Hot, hot crowd. And I go up and I say the joke, which up until that point, the er, the first four times I said that joke, people laughed at least a little bit. I told this joke two minutes into my set. No one laughs. And I just basically aborted the entire sentence like okay thank you for your time blah, blah, and i just like step off stage and then one of the comics uh, one of the veteran comics came up to me he was like oi mate you know, he didn't talk well he's british but <laughs> that's australian <laughs> oi, oi, governor. uh and he had a <laughs> top of the cup of tea with him like <laughs> pinky out right yeah yeah, yeah. pinky out obviously with his crumpets and uh <laughs> He, he was like, hey, I was lo really looking forward to seeing your set and like seeing what you were going to do with it. Um, you, you, you can't just uh, abort a set if no one laughs. You, you, you travel here for three hours to do a five minute set. You got to get every single minute you can, um, even if they don't laugh. And so I have been bombing mics ever since. <laughs> well, congratulations. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, it's a weapon of mass. Uh... Oh, damn it. I thought it was going somewhere. See, this is why I am not the comedian and why I have comedians show up on the podcast. I can make that's, a podcast, but I can't make a stand-up act. No, so. that's that, that's okay. That was me with my travel jokes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, again, it was a story. I'm okay with stories. I love stories, especially travel stories. Oh, yeah. So. That's the worst part when you're telling a story and people expect you to say something funny at the end of it. And you and I was like, and then it just was a really terrible experience. And then, <laughs> it, was, and then it was done. And then everyone's like, uh, oh, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> They're like I was expecting joy and yeah. happiness, but then why you, you depressed I, me. <laughs> why did you, you end on a funeral? That's weird. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so, you know, for anyone that's listening, um, if they're uh, kind of on the, the borderline of trying to determine whether or not they want to get into comedy, uh, what, what would you uh, recommend to them to just 
go out and get into comedy, how, how would you support them in telling uh, them to do it, I guess? First of all, don't start off with your shitty school shooter joke. No one wants oh. your hot takes. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, that's uh, actually, that was kind of... You know, I, I do love comics like uh, Bill Burr and Joe Rogan, but the, 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 a lot of things, and a lot of people don't like them, and that's that's fair. They they say a lot of controversial things. Mm-hmm. Um, the the problem is that it kind of like inspires other guys to try that craft when they don't really understand the craft. Like they don't understand. Like Bill Burr has been practicing and kind of like, uh, like picking at this joke for dozens if not hundreds of open mics each and every time and he's trying to make it more more subversive and interesting and nuanced as possible well that's my opinion a lot of people yeah. probably say it's he's mostly just crass and yelling yeah ginger guy but <laughs> um but not even bill burr but like other comics essentially uh, every comic who's a professional they they work so hard at it um and they and they try so hard at it so there, there there's an art there that a lot of people don't really get at first um if you're starting comedy you really need to analyze your joke and kind of break it down like you know why is this funny what am i trying to say with it Mm -hmm. um and then in terms of like if you're really just like trying to go up on stage for the first time ever just do it you're just do it knowing you're going to fail the first couple of times gotcha um if you if you get a couple laughs that's awesome too that's great that's amazing but don't be surprised when you say your joke, just like in my earlier story, when no one laughs, you, you really have to be prepared for failure. Mm-hmm. And then the whole process is it's essentially the scientific method because you're just saying you're, you're saying this whole thing. And then you're, you look back on it and you say, okay, people were laughing at this, this, and this, um, what can I do to cut that out and just go immediately to the punchline okay. and then just kind of like work from there. It's, it's all about the scientific method, essentially. Okay. You're, you're just fine tuning and fine tuning. And, and so when comics like Chappelle go up or Mulaney go up or Nate Brigetti, they, they've already tried that joke a million times before, so yeah. they can read, read it like the back of their mind. And then you also have people yeah. like, uh, Eric Andre who just get up there and be awkward as shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I honestly, apparently there's a rivalry between i shouldn't say rivalry maybe like a deep-seated hatred for (laughs) that stand-up comics have for improv comedy and vice versa Mm -hmm. and i never really understood that because i feel like both uh both um what are they called areas can learn from each other yeah because i would i would qualify them just as a different genre of comedy if anything yeah Yeah, it's still comedy like i'm gonna probably laugh from it but you know you gotta be in the mood for it yeah you know you can't you're not always in 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 the mood for like a priest and a rabbi joke you know sometimes you are in the mood for the you know chicken cross the road piece of crap joke you know i don't know (laughs) you know depends on the day or dad joke because you know those are wonderful wonderful pieces (laughs) of art (laughs) yeah absolutely and every comic has their own uh different brand like uh a lot of comics they're just one-liner comics and that's that's totally fine other ones are more long form Mm -hmm. um which is a bit riskier obviously because you're trading off a huge amount of time for like one big laugh yeah Uh, so it's a big risk there and then there you know medium-sized jokes there's there's a whole bunch yeah Um, it's valid i knew this guy uh pete grilla in hong kong hilarious but every the first 15 minutes of his set would always just be crowd work you know what do you do where uh, what do you like to do 
How, who's your, is this your girlfriend? Blah, blah, blah. Shit like that. Interesting. So like and, interacting and, with the audience? Yeah. Interacting. Okay. And he started out as an improv actor, um, to be fair. So, uh, I, I don't know. It's just like a really useful skill to mm-hmm. just like think off the cuff. And then also with stand up comedy, like it'd be nice to have everything as rigid as possible, you know, like, you know, the audience will just let me do my art and they'll be cool. Right. Yeah. But a lot of the times people are going to talk to you, ruin a punchline, a glass is going to break, a dog is going to bark. You have to be prepared for those situations. That's valid. Um, well, perfect. Um, so the last thing I think we're going to cover today really is just going to be how can people, um, support you and your comedy specifically, um, want to make sure people are going to the right places, uh, right podcasts like this one and everything like that. But where can we, uh, where can we find more of your, uh, comic act? Sure. Um, so on, uh, was it April 29th? I will be performing at password comedy. I'll be featuring for, uh, Ben Cronenberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my name rings a bell. Yeah. He's, he's been on TV, uh, huh. and he's a local comic as well. So okay. he, he's pretty big in the Denver scene. I, I think he also runs, uh, Denver comedy lounge or someone else. Okay, cool. That. Yeah. So I'll be doing a show with him, which I'm super pumped about. Um, also you can find me at most weeks, uh, or sorry, most Thursdays at, Abin Wallace on 4th and Terry. It's right off Main. Yeah. Just look up Abin and Wallace. Uh, yeah. yeah so. Abin and Wallace distilling specifically. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Thank you. And mm-hmm. um, yeah. And, and it's like, and honestly, any comic you see that you really just really appreciate, um, they always love hearing that appreciation be verbalized after a show. They're going to be awkward about it. I hate when people compliment me, but it's also nice at the same time. Of course. So. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, and then you can follow my Instagram at Watanatron. Spell it out. <laughs> uh, Spell it out for people. I feel like they're going to be all... I love, I love how you asked me to spell that out because as I was saying that, I was like, how is it spelled? Oh, my God. <laughs> it's a W-A-T-T-O-N-A-T-O-N. I got my own name wrong. It's Watanaton. On Instagram. On Instagram. All right, so perfect. You can find me there. And uh, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Um, so yeah, I think I'm going to take another quick cut there because that was a really bad lead in there. <laughs> that was shit. Yeah. Well, thank you, Linus. Uh, I really appreciate uh, just kind of getting your eye and perspective on the creative industry collectively, um, kind of having some fun travel stories as well. Um, and then really just encouraging people to go out and be their own type of funny. You know, I think that's, what's really the funnest thing about comedy specifically is that, you know, it it is subjective, you know, it's, if it's funny to you, it might be funny to you and not to somebody else. And that's fine. I think it's just, uh, you know, trying things out and see what makes people laugh. And if you bring a smile to somebody's face, I think that's the only thing you can really say is a success. So if you're able to bring somebody joy in some capacity or another, I think that's a success right there. So again, thank you for coming on to the level up podcast. Uh, hopefully you think you're going to be leveling up now. Yeah. <laughs> what no, what this is, perspective on that? Yeah, no, this has been a great experience. Thank you so much for having me on the of podcast. Um, yeah. If anyone's thinking about doing comedy, um, yeah, just, just take it slow and be ready for anything. Siri agrees. Siri does that. agree. Yeah. So thank you guys. Uh, you will hear from me in the later episodes of this season and Linus, you will not hear from again. Ever. I'm <laughs> Ever actually, again. I'm actually being executed after this show. He's yes. Gonna, no, <laughs> yes. It's uh, We had the guillotines prepped He's, upstairs. We're ready to just... Psh, 
yeah. down it, and he's he's done for. I'm uh, I'm ready. I'm ready, guys. <laughs> well, thank you, uh, Linus, for coming on, and we will talk to you guys uh, soon. And we are excited to see you guys level up. Thank you. Thank you to all season three of the Level Up podcast and the fourth annual Locktoberfest sponsors. Pride Roofing and Construction, our proud presenting sponsor and host of our annual Headshot and Portrait Studio Night. Abbott & Walsh Distilling, our spirited title sponsor and host for the podcast release party. Mandy K Comedy, our showcase sponsor making us remember what it's like to laugh. Talis for Longmont City Council at Large, our creator sponsor who we've produced dozens of episodes of his show, The Savvy Entrepreneur with. Snarkingtons, our local shop sponsor with sweet gifts and snarky treasures for